Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicNPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Eric Granoff, who is Chief Marketing Officer of AIA Holdings. Today we will discuss the marketing of bail bond services. Eric joined AIA in 2009. He is responsible for developing and executing marketing initiatives for the company, as well as working with AIA's agents in the area of marketing. Prior to coming to AIA, Eric was president of the Thunder Factory, a San Francisco marketing company. While at the Thunder Factory, he served as a consultant to AIA, as well as developing the company's original branding strategy. In 17 years of marketing, Eric has worked with Microsoft, Nissan, Kaiser Permanente, Marsh, HP, Apple, Caesars Palace, Bank of America, and Calibas, among others. A native of Southern California, he resides in Agoura Hills with his wife and two children. Eric, welcome. Thanks, Alina. It's great to be here. This is such an interesting topic, and I think that for many of us, a, a source of curiosity, perhaps. In 2008, I understand there were about 2.3 million criminals in jail in the United States, which is supposed to be greater than in any other nation or perhaps any other developed nation. I'm not sure. The statistics just said nation, according to the International Center for Prison Studies at King's College in London. Does that sound about right from what you've heard? Yeah, I mean, there's lots of statistics out there in terms of, you know, prison populations in the United States. And I think, you know, we, we well, you know, whether it's due or not, you know, the, the reputation that we have in terms of the incarceration levels are always kind of higher than everybody else. Um, and, and, and the role that bail plays that in that, you know, is pretty interesting as well, is that why those jail populations are, are high, we still have the process where people are able to get out of jail because um, they are still, you know, innocent until proven guilty and able to take care of their families and all those things, you know, while their court case is being heard. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you deal with for being in the United States. When a person is arrested, that is when the first encounter with a bail bond services company would come along. Would, would you walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, typically what happens, and, and the interesting thing about bail is that it is regulated on, on the state level and uh, even some, some states on the county level. So you have varying uh, laws and rates and different things that go on, but I'll talk about it from the standpoint of really a more general kind of overview. Um, and just so people know, you know, there's 50 states in the United States. Um, there's four states where you can't write commercial bail, um, and that is uh, Wisconsin, uh, Illinois, Kentucky, and Oregon. But in the other 46 states, um, you know, say someone you know gets arrested, um, you know, they go to jail, uh, a bail amount is, is, is set typically by the judge, um, and then what happens is the family members will contact a bail agent, um, and hypothetically I'll throw out the state it's $10,000 is the amount of bail. Um, what will typically happen is uh, the, the person will pay 10 to 15 percent it's, you know, just like any other insurance policy, um, which is called the premium, and that allows the person to then get out of jail while they await their trial. And so if a $10,000 bond, we'll, we'll say that it's 10% in the specific state that we're talking about, um, the person will pay $1,000 to the bail agent to get, out, to, to get that person out. 
Now, as part of that, there's conditions set on that bond where the person has to make all those appearances um, at, at court until the case is um, basically decided. If the person decides not to show up and say he tries to run, um, what ends up happening is that the bail agent is responsible to the court for the full amount of the bond. So while he got paid a $1,000 premium, he was ultimately responsible for $10,000 to the court if that person can't be brought back into custody. So uh, sometimes it's very simple where maybe someone over, oversleeps, and so the bail agent goes knocks on the door, they get him, they show up to court, and they try to work it out with the court in terms of, you know, you know, getting that person back. Sometimes people don't want to go because they know that they're going to end up going to jail or whatever or go to prison. So they'll take off and the bail, uh, the bail agent basically has a, a time period. Sometimes some states it's 30 days, 60 days, 120 days to actually get that person back into custody. Um, and most bail agents will typically go out and do that themselves. Um, occasionally, maybe it's a larger bond or more uh, a more uh, dangerous uh, defendant. Um, where they'll bring in someone like a bounty hunter, which I think uh, a lot of people are, are, are more familiar with, or a fugitive recovery agent, as they refer to, um, where that person is, you know, what they do for a living is go out and, and, and get people. And those are the people like, you know, Dwayne Chapman, Doug the Bounty Hunter, um, that people see uh, on television. But ultimately, you know, that's pretty much the process, is that the bail bond is pretty much an insurance policy, that the, the family's taking out and ensuring that the person that the defendant who's getting out of jail is going to show up in court. If they don't show up in court, that then they're responsible for the full amount of the bond to the bail agent. In essence, the bail bond is a guarantee to the court that the person they're holding in jail at that moment is going to show up when they're supposed to, or if they don't, they're going to lose a lot of money. Exactly, and it really is that financial element which makes the bail bond industry so effective, where you've got some government-sponsored programs where people are actually let out on their own recognizance, um, or 10% deposit bail programs where the person in jail pays 10% to the court and then basically on their own word says they're going to show up in court. And what happens is those people never show up in court. In fact, I think the statistics show about 50% of those people basically take off and never show up. And so the courts basically owed all that money um, and, 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 and there's no incentive for someone to come back. Where with a bail agent, if you don't show up at court, someone's going to come after you. And so the failure to appear rates, which is the rate at which you know, people show up at court or don't show up at court, the failure to appear rate um, on someone on a, on a bond done through a, uh, a bail agent is much, much, much lower. Um, it typically for an industry rate is about 7%. Um, with our companies, it, it's about 3 4%. So we do a very good job as an industry in really getting people to show up at court. Now, what is AIA Holdings? Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, AIA, it's a company that was actually formed in 2003. It is the oldest and largest underwriter of, uh, of bail in the country. I think we write about one out of every five bail bonds. And it's actually a, an alliance of three companies, Allegheny Casualty Company, International Fidelity Insurance Company and Associated Bond. Um, all three companies came together in 2003. All of them have a rich heritage of their own. Um, International Fidelity is actually about 107 years old and was originally sprung off from the Singer Sewing Machine Company way back when. So um, we're all you know, part of a larger insurance group, but we're the bail division of that group. So AIA is the, basically the, the coming together of those three companies. Obviously, this is an industry that is very profitable. 
judging by the number of people that are in prison today and the number of people that must be arrested before that process happens, where is the profit, if you would, in that in that description that you shared with us earlier? In other words, the person who is arrested puts up, I think you said, 10% of the amount of bail. How does the bail bond services company make a living? Bill, if you're talking about specifically about the bail agents themselves, I mean, it's a little, you know, when you look at the jail populations, you look at that, it, you know, it, it's very easy to jump to that conclusion, but the reality is, you know, a bail agent has overhead costs. They have employees. They have to um, pay the same types of things any other small business does, um, and then they pay taxes on, on, on those dollars that they collect. So um, whereas when it seems like a, a, a lot of money um, at, at first blush, by the time that they pay their insurance costs, they pay their taxes, um, they pay the surety, the insurance companies that they work with, um, they pay their overhead, that you know, 10% really dwindles down pretty quickly and it probably becomes you know, more like you know, 3 or 4%. And as the industry gets more competitive, um, it, it really gets even you know, harder to get those bails. But um, you know, that's pretty much the, the bail agent will make its money uh, from that premium. Okay. So that $1,000 that you were talking about earlier, that's $1,000 that the person who's been arrested pays and doesn't ever see again. The other $9,000 of the $10,000 bond are in jeopardy if the person doesn't show up in at court on the designated date and time. But the $1,000 are $1,000 that they've already paid. Is Is that how it works? Yeah, I mean, it's just like any other insurance policy. You pay a premium. That premium is, to, you know, non-refundable, um, yet you're covered for a lot more than that premium. It's like an insurance premium. In this case, it's an insurance to you showing up in court. How do you go about marketing these services? Because they're a little bit outside the norm of what most people think of when they think of marketing services. Would you give us an inkling of how you go about doing that? How do you position yourself in the market? And do you start by educating the public? And how do you reach out to potential customers, et cetera? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. And, and it's interesting because, you know, us being, you know, my, my position as chief marketing officer of AIA, um, you know, we're the insurance company. We're the ones, you know, we don't, we don't touch consumers. We are, our, our audience is bail agents. So what we need to do as the insurance company, if, if we're really going to position ourselves in the way that we have as a resource to them, as more than just an insurance company, um, we, we need to understand their, their customers. We needed to understand um, how they market, how they bring people in. So um, it's interesting that you ask that question because I think if you ask most insurance companies, the chief marketing officer of the insurance company probably couldn't tell you how to, how to bring people into a bail office. They could probably tell you how to, acquire, how to attract bail agents to their, their insurance company. But we've done a lot of research and talked with our agents. Um, you know, it, it's challenging. There's a lot more agents out there nowadays. I think the number is about 15,000 bail agents across the country. Um, substantial increases in, you know, state over state um, in every marketplace. Because um, I think people watch the television shows and, and they see the excitement of that and want to live that life when the reality is, like we said before, it's an insurance business. Uh, it's like writing an insurance policy, and and 99% of the time, the person shows up to court. You you don't have the challenges that you see on the television. Um, but you know, a bail agent will typically use um, yellow pages. Has been you know the bread and butter for the industry for a very long time, and we all know where that has gone in terms of 
their popularity and most people using the internet now to find things. So um, this industry has really had to shift and change the way that it reaches out to customers um, in, in, in terms of you know yellow pages being less effective and really trying to understand the internet. They've also you know events um, going out to events, sponsoring types of things, um, engaging with um, consumers. Um, it, it's been a very very effective way for bail agents to to, to market themselves. Um, but one thing our insurance company did was begin to realize that um, a lot of our agents are are the you know smaller mom and pop shops, and, and most bail agents are. It's a very um, family-run business, a small business, um, and they necessarily don't have the knowledge or the resources to tap into some of the tools that are available nowadays to help grow their business, to help kind of be where people are searching for bail agents now. So we developed the, you know, uh, a brand, shall we say, um, to really help them market that called Expert Bail. Um, and the interesting thing about the bail bond industry, there really is no national brand. It's been a mom-and-pop-run business uh, and industry for a very long time. And, you know, the, regionally you have, you know, brands that people maybe know of. And on the West Coast you have brands that people are maybe more familiar with. Uh, but there really didn't exist an entity at a national level that was, that was a brand, was that something that would create awareness and understanding in people's minds that bail agents could tap into. So as the nation's largest surety, we took it upon ourselves to, based on what we heard from consumers and what we heard from agents, is to basically create a brand. And we created something called Expert Bail, and it's an endorsement of, of agents so that when consumers maybe get themselves into trouble and need to call a bail agent, there's now a trusted brand out there, a Better Business Bureau, a 100-flower type of brand that they know they can turn to. Um, which from a marketing standpoint for a bail agent, it's a great tool to have now where if I'm walking down the street, and we've all seen these photos, I think in movies and stuff where you see five, six bail agencies in a row in a bad part of town. Well, if you look at that scenario now where you have five or six bail agents in a row, yet one of them has an expert bail sticker, an endorsement on their window that says they're part of a trusted network, people may be more likely to use that agency now, that they have that third-party endorsement that says they're a little bit better, do things a little bit better. So we thought that that was an important tool for our agents to help them from a marketing standpoint, from a, an image standpoint. But at the same time, you know, we also created a website to help drive those leads to them. So you know, whereas a mom and pop shop can't necessarily take advantage of the Internet or Google in a way, by bringing the network together, we're able to you know, tap into to Google from a, a pay-per-click standpoint. We're able to tap into Google from an organic standpoint with the website we've created and really help our agents with those tools so that they become better marketers to their customers and now can be on the web when people search on the web to complement the things they're already doing. What is there in terms of objective criteria in terms of expert bail? Are there any kinds of barriers to entry? Can any mom and pop be a part of the expert bail network? Or are there any kinds of requirements, certifications, licensing, anything that you or the industry requires in order for them to be part of the network? Well, the, the, first, the first requirement is, you know, as, just as a bail agent, you have to be licensed. In every state, you have, to, you have to carry a valid license. You have to have the proper training, the proper education. And in most of the states, you actually have to maintain that education and to maintain that license. Um, as AIA, we have a family of agents. It's, probably between five and 6,000 agents around the country. And to write with our, uh, our insurance companies, you have to meet a, a strict set of criteria. So 
you know, you have to have, you have to have a, a clean background. You have to have a clean financial record and clean credit history. Um, you have to have experience in the industry. Um, and we also then also take a look at the various territories that we have around the country to make sure that we're not overlapping and competing our agents with each other. So we, we take a look at a lot of different things to make sure that the bail agents that we sign, just initially under our paper, that write with our insurance company, that they have what it takes to do the job the right way. And then we monitor them pretty, pretty rigorously to make sure that they're maintaining their businesses the right way, that they're writing bail the right way, that they don't have a lot of forfeitures with their bonds, that they're making sure that they're, they're being smart about how they underwrite these things. Um, and those are the agents that are allowed to be in the expert bail network. Now, if we were to open it up to anyone else, if there's agents that write under other insurance companies, we don't have the ability to actually check that criteria like we do our own agents. So we've really tried to basically, we know that we already have the best group of agents through the strict underwriting policies that we instill at the company level, and that we translate down into the brand. So anyone who carries that expert bail brand, um, we know have met the strict criteria that we set as a company in terms of writing with our business. And we have the ability to monitor and maintain that group of agents and control um, how they use that brand. In terms of the branding of expert bail, Eric, is that meaningful only to your in-house agents, those five and four to 6,000 agents that are part of the network? Or is your goal also to reach out to the, the final consumer of your services? Do you hope to reach them with that branding concept uh, as well as the agents? Well, that's actually the, that's a great question. That's actually the primary goal of Expert Bail. It was that it was a way to talk to consumers. And the challenge for us as an insurance company, like I mentioned before, is that we don't talk to consumers. We've only talked to bail agents. So it was our first foray into, and for anyone even in our industry, to actually put it out there in front of consumers and to talk to the consumers, uh, because. As you can well imagine, bail, it's not well understood. It's not something that people go through life ever saying, well, if I ever need a bail bond, I'm going to you know, go with those guys. It's just when it happens, you need to kind of think quickly on your feet and figure out who you're going to trust. You go online, you type in, and, but there's so many agents out there, you never really can narrow it down to, or maybe you ask a friend or things like that. So you know, creating an entity at the consumer level that can – jump those barriers, jump that lack of knowledge that can educate and inform, that can create an expectation in an industry where most people don't have an expectation. And if anything, they have a negative perception of it because they think the bail industry is, is what Hollywood portrays it to be. They think that it's big guys with tattoos, uh, with long hair, with bulletproof vests running through the streets with guns. And our challenge was to say, you know what, it's not like that. That makes great television that sells lots of tickets and makes Hollywood billions of dollars. But the reality of the bail industry is it's hardworking people in your community just like you who, who, who go to work every day and feed their family that are probably more active in their communities and do good for their communities than most average people do in, in their lifetimes. Um, and, and that was an important part of the brand was to really challenge that misperception and to do it you know, as the insurance company to say, hey, this is what you should look for in a bail agent. These are the people that, you know, this is what they're really like. You know, we have agents that are U.S., former U.S. Marshals. We have agents that are former school teachers. We have agents that are, are fire captains in their, in their local neighborhood. We have agents that give to YMCA and, and, and support their local schools at levels that most people don't. And, and, and 
if you were to watch our national television commercial, that's kind of what we try to do is challenge that perception by telling the real stories of people, the real stories of agents. And I think in any category that's uh, from a marketing challenge of being misunderstood or being perceived as a bad image, the best tool you have is to tell the truth in a, tell, in a compelling way through stories um, that that educate people and inform them and get them interested in what you're doing and what you're doing about. And that's what we tried to really do from a marketing standpoint was to reach down to consumers and to tell them a story about these people that are in this business that this business also plays a vital role in protecting communities. And I think, you know, in, we launched the brand in September of 2010, and I think we've done a pretty good job in seven months of, of really creating that perception already. But it's only the beginning. I think we have a lot more work to do, too. Eric, that's really interesting what you were describing in terms of your immediate customers, meaning these agents. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago that they are mom and pops for the most part and that they are important members of their communities. Would you expand on that description a little bit? Can you tell us a little bit more about these business owners, these mom and pop businesses? What, what is the typical profile of your customers? Um, the, the typical, it's hard to say typical profile because I think they, they pretty much scan, you know, they, 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 they go across the spectrum. I mean, we have, you know, from a demographic standpoint, I mean, all races, all, all languages, everything, they, they, they really, you know, they are pretty much a snapshot of America. Um, but I'd say if there's one thing, it's, it's very, it's very family focused. I would say family is probably the best word I could use to describe it. It's a word we use all the time from the insurance company standpoint of the relationship that we have with our agents because we also know that most of our agents, they are second, third generation bail bond families. Their grandfather did it and then the father took over for them and now they're the next generation. And many of those agents have been writing with us for that long. What typically happens is that most agents that come and write with us will stay for a very long period of time because it's what their family did, it's they're comfortable, and they realize that they're already with the best. But I would say that family is probably that one common thing that I would say that describes the, the makeup of most of our agents is that they're people that work with, you know, their, their sons and daughters will typically work in the business with them. Um, but, you know, so, so from that standpoint, I think that's the most common element. I mean, if you were to, you know, for, for lack of a better way of describing this, if you were to do a, a police lineup and you were to have a bail agent in there with a florist, with a baker, with uh, someone that worked at a, a local convenience store, you wouldn't be able to tell who the bail agent is. They really are just like you and me. They're, they're members of their community. Um, you'd be shocked when you just, you know, more than 50% of bail agents are actually women. It's a very little known fact that people know about. So um, to say that there's a specific makeup for this, the kind of person becomes a bail agent, um, I, I don't think it really works that way. I think it really is just someone that runs a business that's been in their family for a long time, someone that's a member of their community that cares about helping people um, and, and really making a difference in people's lives. I think perhaps that a lot of people have the impression that it's a seedy industry and that these are seedy people, that those who don't show up for their court date are going to be chased down by some ruthless killer, hunted, dead, or alive. Is, is there any truth to that? Um, as much as I would like to say yes, because it probably sells more tickets, and that's pretty much what Hollywood has done over the years. Um, the reality is it's kind of like we mentioned before. I mean, how exciting is sitting down in a, an insurance office as someone underwrites an insurance policy? Uh, it's, 
it's not as glamorous as romantic um, as 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 it's portrayed on television, where you have guys running through the streets with guns and um, bulletproof vests. And I mean, that's a very 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 slim part of this business. A very small part of this business is um, when someone actually has to go to that extreme to get somebody. Um, the reality is, if a bail agent does their job the right way and they underwrite the policy the right way that they understand enough and create that circle of love around each person that they let out, and that circle of love being family members, ties to the community, friends, that if the person ever were not to show, there's enough people that would you be able to find that person. Um, you know, that's what makes a bail agent a good bail agent. And, and you know, Hollywood's made billions of dollars. We always talk about this, portraying us as scumbags. And most people on the street would probably think that the bail agent is the only difference between them and, and, the, and the criminals potentially in jail are what side of the bars they're on. But the reality is that's not true. Um, bail agents, like I said, are just like you and me. And, um, you know, having to challenge that misperception um, has really been a, a, you know, a, a big challenge for us. And, um, and it's one of the reasons we, we, we chose the strategy that we chose was, you know, we, we, we can't sit here and argue the fact if this is what the image is going to be for the industry, what we can do is tell our story the way it needs to be told our way and hope that that resonates. And that's what Expert Bail is trying to do with telling the stories of agents, getting, these, getting their faces out there. Our, our television commercial has people talking about what they do in their community. At the end, it says, and hey, I'm an expert bail agent. We've got stories about agents on our website um, that tell real stories about what people do in their communities. Um, we, we, we highlight those in social media. We interact with people in social media and tell those stories there where the story of bail, we have to refer to as the face of bail, is really what, you know, the, the, the challenge that we're taking on to, to, to change moving forward and get more people to realize that bail agents play a vital role in the criminal justice system in ensuring that people show up in court. By ensuring people show up in court, we ensure that communities are safer. There's not more people out there committing additional crimes while they're out on bail or while they're out on their own recognizance. And at the same time, the bail agent is also part of your community, just like your local policeman, just like your, your lawyers in your community or your local judge or your local baker. The bail agent plays a role just like that and is just as interesting in, in safety in their community just like any other citizen. How do the bail agents make money? In other words, is there an incentive for them if, is there a benefit to them if the person doesn't show up for their appointed date? Does it make any difference to them, or do they make more money, is, or is that how they make their money? Tell us a little bit about that, if you would. No, if the, per, if the person doesn't show up for their date, the, you know, like I get the $10,000 bond example again, the bail agent's responsible for the $9,000 difference. I mean, he's, he's collected $1,000 from, from his client, and he's now then responsible for $10,000 to the court. So getting them to show up is first and foremost in the bail agent's mind. And the way we know that bail works is because, you know, if you just look at our group of companies, you know, we've been around, the three companies, two of them have been around over 75 years, actually over 76 years, and one's been around for over 100 years. We wouldn't have been in business that long if we weren't good at what we do. Bail agents, they make money when people show up in court because, then they're not paying out the bond, the full amount of the bond. If you think about it, if I'm making $1,000, yet if the guy doesn't show up, I have to pay $10,000 to the court, I've got to write 10 more bonds to make up for that one loss. 
So bail agents, you know, they can have a great year. It takes one bond. Say it's a $100,000 bond, and that person runs. That one bond can close down a business. So bail agents have to be very careful about who they underwrite, and when they do, they have to make sure they're on top of their customers because otherwise it comes back to them. Now, they'll take collateral. They'll, they'll take value from the indemnitor or the person that's actually bonding the person out, but ultimately it's the bail agent's responsibility to pay that forfeiture to the court if that person doesn't show up. So they'll do whatever they can to ensure that they're not having people run out on them and that they are getting people to show up at court. What about that final customer, the one that you are reaching indirectly with the expert bail branding? Do you have an idea? I know that's quite a big uh, market segment, but is there sort of a profile of the typical customer that is going to be reaching out to you as as the bail bond services company or the ultimate bail bond services company? You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a good question because, you know, when I first got into this industry, you know, you begin to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to develop my marketing plan and my marketing strategy to sit down and say, okay, who's our target audience? Then you start kind of thinking through it. You're like, okay, well, it could be the, you know, the, the local, you know, the gang member. It could be the, the white collar guy. It could be the, the, the person that just happened to get a bad DUI one night. It's, it, it, when you start really getting into it and thinking about it, the reality is it could really be anybody. I mean, it, our, our target market, it really is, it's kind of the world and, and, and everyone in it. And you want, you know, there's those Potentially that, okay, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll need it a little bit more often or maybe they're more apt to you know, be in a circumstance where they're going to get in trouble and they might need one. But the reality is the brand kind of has to speak to everybody. Um, it has to speak to the guy that wears the tie to work every day, and it's got to speak to the guy that, that you know, uses his hands when he works every day, to the guy that doesn't have a job, to the, the, the family members. And, you know, you know it's got to speak to women. You know, many times it's the, you know, maybe it's the guy that's in jail and it's the wife or the girlfriend or the mother that's bailing them out. So they're the ones that we have to speak to. Um, at the same time, you, the guy that's in jail or, or the woman that's in jail, you want to be able to speak to them so they can tell the person who to call um, and what brand to turn to. So the target market really is, it becomes everybody. So when you think about it from a marketing standpoint, your, your strategies really have to encompass a wide range of uh, of audiences and how you communicate to them. So you try to keep it as high level as possible in terms of the messaging, in terms of the, um, you know, all, all the various kind of tactics that you're going to eventually use. It's my understanding that there is a higher percentage of certain types of people that are incarcerated, meaning there are certain genders that are more likely, okay, there's only two genders, but there's probably more likely to be one of the genders that's incarcerated and more of the minority groups that are uh, incarcerated. So wouldn't that skew the numbers in terms of your target audience? Um, yeah, yes and no. Um, while, you know, we, we, we definitely, you know, keep them broad, you know, there's two types of marketing that, that happen with expert bail is that uh, as the surety and the brand on the national scale, we have a more general, larger message that we're able to communicate about a brand. The bail agents really tackle the, the, the branding on the local level mixed in with what they're already doing, and they do a great job. So if you have a, um, a bail agent in an African-American community um, they're doing the things that they should be doing with the brand in that community, and then they, tr they basically are taking our 
global messaging, shall we say, and bringing it down to a local level and incorporating the things that they're doing on the local level. You know, we give them guidance and assistance on that. So they're already kind of touching that audience. They've been touching it for years. We're giving them an added element, another tool in their, in their uh, portfolio, shall we say, of marketing tactics to be able to communicate to that audience. So in a way, we really rely on that local knowledge and the local experience of our agents, you know, giving them a more powerful tool to be successful in those those the more kind of demographics that are a little more uh, targeted in the areas that they are. Earlier, Eric, you said that about one out of every five policies of this type was yours in the overall market. Is there a particular person, we'll go back to profile, that is more likely to be your customer, are, are they all alike or are there, is there a market segment that is most likely to be the one that reaches out to you? Um, like I said, I, th I think at the end of the day, we want anyone who is in trouble needs a bail agent to reach out to us. So we're not going to say, oh, yeah, you're not a customer of ours. So you can't be a customer. I think we want to be as, as, as broad as we possibly can. Um, I think there's, there's, there's statistics that show, I think, that people that have been to, to, to jail are more likely to be ones that are arrested. So, um, you know, we when, when there's customers of our bail agents that have already been customers, they do a really good job of maintaining those relationships. Um, so once again, you know, we, a lot of what we do relies on that local knowledge and, and local expertise that, that bail agents have. So um, the demographics that they're in, in their local neighborhoods that they know and understand that they've dealt with and have had relationships with, they further those along, and now it's just an added tool through expert bail that they're allowed to, you know, basically have something a little bit more powerful, a little more trusting um, for those families and those people that they deal with. But to say that, you know, we specifically have a, a target customer, I would say at the global level we do, I think at the, the more local level, the bail agents know who their customers are in those local markets from a demographic standpoint and have those relationships and know how to market to them in the appropriate way, and they just use our brand as another tool. Let's talk a little bit about what you're doing in terms of expert bail and your efforts so far. You mentioned earlier that you started reaching out with the expert bail brand in September of 2010, and you, you talked about yellow pages, you talked about ads on television, you talked about social media. Would you tell us a little bit more about how you go about doing that, how do you decide which are the right media outlets for you and where do you place your emphasis? How do you go about assigning or allocating resources as you move through the, the process? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. What we try to do is we, we try to break it up into a couple different areas where we have really kind of more brand building types of things, and then we have more kind of lead gen, um, you know, driving, driving leads to our agents types of things. So from a, from a general branding standpoint, you know, a lot of the television that we've done um, and a lot of the marketing that we do, whether it's, you know, the television, whether it's the social media, whether it is, you know, the public relations and the stories that we're telling, um, whether it's, you know, bar coasters that we've done. Um, you know, because bail isn't something that um, from an impulse buy, you're going to say, oh, I feel like I need a bail bond. I'm going to go get a bail bond. Um, it really is something that has to be top of mind when you do get into trouble. We really are trying to do a, a lot more of the branding types of things right now. Um, so, you know, building the, that, that, that 
perception of who these bail agents are and how they're different and, and how you can trust them, that network, that trusted network they're part of. Um, changing that negative perception to a, one of more positive that these persons are, you know, they're here to help me. Um, so from a branding standpoint, that's what we've done. Um, and and like, we're really leveraging those stories of those agents, those real stories of how they impact their communities. We're tying in with partnerships. Um, we've, we've, we've developed a, a, a partnership with the National Center for Victims of Crime, one of the nation's largest and oldest uh, victims advocacy groups. Um, because ultimately, you know, the way we look at it is that uh, bail agents play a role in protecting communities. And if most people don't kind of see that angle, the, the way they do that is that by ensuring someone shows up at court, they're also ensuring that that person is not out there committing additional crimes. And they're also ensuring that the victim of whatever crime was committed potentially, that victim is getting their day in court. And one of the things, you know, from, we've learned a lot from the victim advocacy side is that if, if people... Victims very often can get re-victimized, and they get re-victimized not only by the crime that was committed, but when it goes to the court case, if someone's released on their own recognizance or, or doesn't show up in court, them not having their day in court is, in essence, it's like being victimized again. So by ensuring that a defendant shows up in court for their day in court, we also, in a way, are ensuring that that victim gets a right at justice or a chance at justice. And we think that's an important part of what we do every day. Uh, and we've done a lot of research in, in, in around the roles that bail agents play in victims. So that partnership that we developed for the National Center for Victims of Crime um, has been very important for us, really challenging that perception of who bail agents are and what they do and the role that that, of what they do and how that plays into the, to their communities. Um, so partnerships have been very successful for us. Like I said, the social media and the stories you've told have been great, all in changing that and shaping that brand perception. Now, we also need to drive business to our agents. And what we wanted to do is that agents that we created a site called expertbail.com. And it's basically a search site. And agents or consumers looking for a bail bond can go there. They can type in the zip code, the city, or, or the, the county, wherever that person might be in jail. And they'll get a list of agents in that area that they know they can click on and trust better than some of the yellow pages because they've met a set of criteria. So we wanted to make the tool as easy as possible for consumers to be able to find an agent when they needed one, um, and, you know, whatever time, any day, any time, um, that they could find, a, find an agent. And basically as an agent then, we have a site that's going to drive leads to you 24 hours a day on the Internet. And we've been able to build a site and to support that site with marketing um, at a level that a single agent couldn't. But, but because we've created a network and brought together a network, we have the size and the mass to, to have a bigger impact online um, together as a group as opposed to individuals. So, um, you know, like I said, it's brand building activities that we've done on a, on, a, on a higher level and then there's more granular type of lead gen types of things to drive people to the website to when they are looking for a bail bond at that critical moment in time to make sure that we drive them to one of our trusted agents in the network. Are you measuring the results of these techniques? For example, you mentioned social media. Which of the social media outlets are you relying on, and have you measured any kind of return on investment, resource investment, in terms of that lead generation that you referred to? Yeah, you know, we, 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 were, we were, we're measuring everything we possibly can, and I think you know, with, with brand building, it's always just kind of, you know, perception of the brand and do you know, um, do you recognize this? And we've done some testing on Facebook. Um, you know, Facebook, I would say, if there's one that we rely on most, it probably is Facebook. We have, I think we're just under 4,000 fans now. And I think for 
I just said that's a testament right there. The fact that a bail a bail bond brand has four thousand fans on on Facebook tells you that um, you know there's ways to engage people and tell interesting stories and get them interested in you um, using social media. Um, and we've been you know very very creative in how we've used our social media to drive interest into you know we, we do everything from trivia to telling agent stories to to uh, you know, asking questions and getting consumers to ask questions, and then we do online videos answering those questions. So we're really educating people, we're informing them, we're trying to entertain them. Um, we've created something called Amateur Bail, which I think uh, it's kind of the spin-off of you know who's the opposite of an expert. It's an amateur, and so these are the you know these four or five characters that we've created um, are pretty much the, the the stereotype of a bail agent on steroids. And everything they do is just the, the complete opposite of what you should do. And so we kind of really try to have fun and play off of that. So we're not necessarily tackling the bad in our industry. Um, we're, we're trying to do it in a fun way so that it doesn't bring the whole industry down. But what we're doing is saying, look, there's good and there's bad agents. There are a group of good agents, but we're having some fun with the bad ones. So that's been a very successful part of our social media strategy. And, you know, we just did a, a survey on, uh, of a Facebook user's and we have a, a partner that we've used called The Jail Report. It's a site um, that, you know, they post mug shots and they've got a newspaper, a weekly newspaper, and they've got about 35,000 fans. And, you know, we've been doing some stuff where they post things on their Facebook page for us, um, our trivia questions and all those things. We actually just conducted a survey amongst those 35,000 people, um, and we asked them aided awareness and unaided awareness of the Expert Bail brand. And what we found was, um, the number one brand that was recognized was uh, one called DeKine, um, which uh, is the one that Dog the Bounty Hunter, um, that's his, his brand. But we found that actually Expert Bail, like two percentage points, three percentage points behind the, the number one brand, we were number two. Um, so in seven months for us to be number two um, in, in the group that we had kind of uh, measured and then took the survey, we thought that was pretty, pretty powerful, the fact that our brand has grown that much from a, a, an aided awareness standpoint where people saw that brand, they recognized it. Um, you know, we hear all the time when uh, someone calls for a bail bond. We, every single person that calls into our office um, to, to, for a bail bond, uh, we ask how they found out about us. And we've had, in, in the seven short months since September 1st of 2010, we've, we've had people from inside jail cells ask their family members to call expert bail. We've had police say, hey, call expert bail. We've had other agents recommend to people if they could write the bond to call expert bail. So that word of mouth happening after seven months, um, to me, is a testament of the stories that we're telling, the social media and the impact that we've had, um, that people are seeing our name on Google now show up on the first page for bail bonds, bail, I mean, all the big bail-related terms in such a short amount of time. Um, to me, that's the testament where we've had the ability to really kind of tell from a a broad perception standpoint that the brand has traction, but we track phone calls, we track hits to the site. Um, all those different things to us are the kind of the measurement of how successful we've been. And we've had growth in every single one of those categories from phone calls that have been made and received to the number of searches that are done to our direct traffic, our organic traffic, which is, you know, of course, the best number of all because that's the free traffic that you get through the search engine. That's grown month over month over month. Um, and you know it's just, it's all been up. So I mean, knock on knock on wood here that things continue in the way they are. But from the standpoint of, of, of measuring those those tactics, you know we look at really everything and then measure everything as possibly as we can. 
we can try to do, try to do these surveys that we can to measure those things that really don't necessarily have a natural measurement, more about perception, but we see growth in all those areas as well. Do you have any findings? I know it's relatively new and you're still getting your arms around the results, but have you noticed or have you gathered data on specific segments? Say, for example, earlier you were saying that 50% of the agents are women and families and we know, of course, from statistics in terms of actual people that are incarcerated that there's a very high percentage of certain groups. Have you monitored the individual response or the penetration that you've had in the different segments like the Hispanic market or the African-American market or Asian market and so forth? As the insurance company, um, we don't get to get into that granular of detailed information on the bonds. I mean, we'll see a name, and then we can make an assumption from, you know, the last name if, if we had to. But, I mean, those kind of details rely at the, um, the local level with the agents. And we have plans over the next four months we're going to be doing a road, a road tour. Um, where we're going to be going around talking to our agents, talking to the, um, the people that are in the network, uh, talking about marketing strategy. And as part of that, we actually just had a meeting last week, as part of that, we're going to be getting more into those, those demographics, finding out what works, what doesn't, and taking that local knowledge that we find out around the country and bringing that up to the kind of where we are from a, to help guide kind of the marketing decisions we're making on more of a global level. But it's definitely that we understand the importance of that local knowledge, and it's just that we need to gather it, and the plan is over the next four months that we're going to be doing that roadshow to kind of educate and gather, you know, educate our agents about things as well as educate ourselves about their, what's going on in the, the reality of their markets. Eric, you guys are in an industry that's providing a service that most people would think is the kind of service they don't want in terms of they don't want to think about it. It's the kind of thing that, as you said, only comes up when they need it. What would you say is the secret to your success or the success that you're finding in branding this this service in, in such a difficult industry, and I'm not sure if I'm phrasing it correctly, but branding a service that, that people inherently don't want anything to do with because it has, is related to jail. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's doing exactly what you, you know, it, it, it's got this perception, this negative perception that exists, and even what you just kind of described it in terms of it being related to jail. The reality is, if you can change that perception, it's not related to jail, it should be related to freedom, it should be related to reuniting with your family, reuniting with um, your community, uh, protecting the community, um, you know, playing a role in the criminal justice system to make sure that victims have a right. It's, it's all those messages that we've been talking about over the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes here um, that, that, that are an important part of what bail agents do. And, you know, telling that story, telling the stories through the agent so that it's not an insurance company saying, oh, this is why we're different, but it really is the agents telling it themselves getting agents in their communities telling those stories, um, and really getting people to understand that, look, you know, this is something you ever want to, to have happen to you, but just in case it does, just know that there's a trusted brand out there, that someone you can turn to that, that is going to take you through the process, you know, hold your hand, help you answer the questions that you have, make sure that, you know, things are going to go the right way, um, as opposed to someone that's just going to take that premium and then never talk to you again, never help you again. So, we really try to, you know, create something a little bit bigger and a little bit better than what people maybe have out there in terms of their perception. But, you know, in a, in a way, 
that negative image that exists about bail, you can almost say that it helps a little bit because we're doing something that's so contrary to that, that perception. It's so different than that perception that in a way it kind of helps it stand out a little bit by saying that, well, these are bail agents. You mean that some woman started a nonprofit organization for teenage girls that get pregnant that want to stay in school and she helps them with scholarships. That's a bail agent, really? Um, those are the types of things that I think are, there's, there's, there's such a, a 90 degrees or, uh, to, to what your perception of bail is that it almost stands out a little bit more. And I think in a way we have a little bit of an advantage of that. But, you know, to me, you have a challenging industry, the best thing to do is to tell your stories and to tell the truth. And that's all we've ever done is be honest and tell the truth. I, I love the example. I always think about like Las Vegas. You know, Las Vegas has a, a reputation. And, you know, we've seen all the, the famous ads about, you know, what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas and Sin City and all that stuff. And I think what they tried to do a few years ago when they tried to change that town into a family town, and all the hotels had their roller coasters and all those things. And I think that there was a disconnect there between the reality of a situation and trying to tell a story that didn't make sense. And that's why I don't think it worked. And you can see now Las Vegas has gone back to being Sin City, even Sin City on steroids now. They've really you know, gotten back to the nightclubs, gotten back to the, the partying atmosphere, gotten back to the whole line about what happens in Vegas, stays in Vegas, because that's the reality of that world. And I think we, unfortunately, the bail bond industry was in a situation where there was a perception of us that was almost spun the other way, the, ne the opposite of what Vegas was, that we're perceived as being this negative, dark, slimy industry. And I think the reality is all we need to do is tell the truth of who we really are and who the people are in this industry. And they're interesting people. They're interesting stories. Tell those in a way that reach people. We do that through Facebook. We do that um, we, we incorporate Twitter. We have videos on YouTube of telling agent stories. All these things go into changing that perception, but doing it in a way that's honest and truthful. And it's just it's telling our story the way it needs to be told by us. Would you share, let's say, two or three tips for our listeners in terms of the actual issues related to bail bond services if they or their families or someone they know finds himself in a position where they need those kinds of services, what two or three tips would you suggest that they follow? Uh, well, as a CMO of the largest charity in the world, I'd say go to expertbail.com and find an agent there. But I'd say, uh, to be honest, just, you know, do your research. Don't just, you know, right now I think price is a big a thing in this industry. You've got agents cutting you know, marketing, zero down, collateral, and all those things. And I think people need to be very hesitant when they see marketing messages out there that um, are too good to be true. Because as, you know, the age-old adage, it's, it, it, they usually are not true if they're too good to be true. And I think, you know, do your research, understand who it is you're working with, look at their background. You know, if you're going to contact a bail agent, are they professional in their appearance? Do they have an office? Do they have, a, you know, is there a license up to spirit? What kind of experience do they have? How, how responsive are they to you? Do they answer your call in a timely manner? Are they friendly? Are they approachable? You know, all these things that go into um, any other service that you would use, the same types of criteria that you would use. And I think, um, you know, with bail, it, it really shouldn't be seen as any different than that. Um, you want to make sure that you're dealing with someone that knows what they're doing um, and I think you just got to do your research just as you did any other thing. We like to think that we've cut the corner there by creating the brand and creating expertbail.com, 
But I think, you know, as a general advice to people that get into trouble that look for a bail bond, I think if you look at those criteria about who you try to work with you, um, then you, know, you should be okay. In terms of positioning your brand or developing a brand in a difficult situation such as the one that we've been discussing, what three tips would you suggest with our listeners? I think the first one you, you said earlier was changing people's per- perceptions. Yeah. Well, I just, I think you got to change their perceptions, and I think you got to you got to find if if there's a negative impression of your industry, or you're in an industry that's misunderstood, or there's a challenge there, or you're have a bad reputation. I think you got to take a step back and sit at yourself and look at what, what find out what the reality of the situation is. Um, you know, we did it with our industry. We talked to consumers. We talked to agents. Um, we, we found out that people didn't. Have a, 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 you know, a, had a negative perception of, brand, uh, of bail. They didn't have a, a positive perception of it. We found out they couldn't recognize a brand in the category. So do your research is what I would say. Understand your audiences. Understand yourself and then find out a way of, well, if this is what people believe, yet we know this is the reality, find a way to tell that story. And I think you know, social media is an incredible tool for telling stories. And it's an incredible tool for listening to stories because people that come online, um, they want people that will engage with you want to engage with you, and they want to have, you know give you comments, talk to you about things, ask questions. And I think that if you if you're a smart marketer nowadays, you take advantage of those tools. Um, you 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 want to know what people are saying, what they're saying about you, what questions they have, so that you can be as relevant as possible. And when you have all that research at your fingertips, and you're able to tap into consumers in that way, you can really develop a strategy that's going to tell your story in a compelling way that's going to be meaningful and relevant to those audiences and, and, and challenge that misperception or challenge that misunderstanding of what they think they are or the way that someone else has painted your, your industry or your category. Um, and and it's, it's really going to be up to you to do that because you know, we've seen for years no one's ever really done that in the bail bond industry. It wasn't until we tried to step forward and say, hey, this is who we are. This is who we are, and don't just listen to us. Listen to the agents and hear their stories until it actually starts resonating with people. Thank you, Eric, for joining us from Calabasas, California. Thank you, Elena. This is great. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Eric Granoff, who is Chief Marketing Officer of AIA Holdings, who discussed the marketing of bail bond services. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at HispanicNPR.com. That's editor at HispanicNPR.com.